From WHYY and Billy Penn, this is your Friday edition of Hittin' Season, a Philadelphia Phillies podcast. My name is Justin Clue, and I write for Billy Penn and Baseball Prospectus. My co-host Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports will be along in a bit, but first, we're talking with Leo Morgenstern, a writer for Fangraphs, whose work you may have seen in Baseball Prospectus, Pitcher List, Sports Illustrated, and SB Nation. His recent article entitled 12 Million Babies Have Been Born Since Bryce Harper's Last Home Run can be found on Fangraphs. Leo, thanks for joining us on Hitting Season. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk some Bryce Harper. Yeah, who wouldn't want to be here talking about how few home runs our <laughs> superstar Bryce Harper has hit? And now, now you tell me if my take is off base here, but according to my read of your article... What you're saying is we have already seen Bryce Harper's last home run ever, and the people of Philadelphia should be out in the streets flipping over buses and throwing stray cats through storefront windows. Is that right? It's it's close. I feel like I would <laughs> I would uh, make a few uh, slight adjustments to that. No, uh, to, to be serious, the, the take of the article is, of course, that we really don't have anything to worry about. Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper, and... We should have expected that there would be a bit of a rough patch after the Tommy John return, but if there's literally any player not named Trout or Otani that you shouldn't worry about going through a month-long slump like this, it's Bryce Harper. Yeah, so what Leo is saying, don't limit it to just stray cats, domestic cats as well. Just go into somebody's house and grab one. It's you know Everything's on the table here when Bryce Harper's struggling like this. No, as, as he says, Leo actually preaches caution, optimism about Harper's power struggle, provides statistical evidence for his claims, and concludes that Harper's been productive without the long ball, and eventually it'll come. So, you know, you mentioned Bryce Harper's injury that has, uh, I don't want to say defined his season thus far, but took a big chunk out of it, at least. Uh, and it's it's all too easy to connect his home run drought with his jarringly fast return from Tommy John surgery this season. Came back on May 2nd, beating projections that he'd miss anywhere from half to two-thirds of the baseball calendar. I don't think anybody was surprised by this, but... It was kind of like, oh boy, that was that's even earlier than I thought he was going to will himself back. Were you at all concerned about Harper just blasting through rehab and, and coming back historically early from this injury? I mean, my take on it was always the Phillies weren't going to put him on the field if it was going to be a risk to his health or a risk to the rest of his season. So I was I was just excited to have him back. I don't, yeah, I. And I, this is a this, maybe this is a loaded statement to say, but in that regard, I trust the Phillies. I trust what they're doing there. They're not going to throw a player on the field if it's too early for him. And so I was just excited to have him back. And of course, he came out of the gate so hot and was fantastic for the first few weeks. And then maybe that got everybody's expectations a little too high for again somebody coming back at historically soon from this major surgery. <laughs> I remember Chase Utley coming back from one of his longer injury stints and hitting a home run in his first uh, plate appearance back and just being like, oh, yeah, well, this is just how this will be forever. Uh, it's so crazy how just, you know, things like object permanence go out the window when it comes to star players like this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. I feel like in the decision-making process, it's I, in my view, like in my perception, 
it feels like the Phillies and Bryce Harper are, are on equal ground in this in this particular decision making where it's like there's they're not going to let him back on the field, as you said. But he's also like, I don't know, I feel like they're going to let him his his he's going to influence this decision a lot more so than like another player who they're also trying to be protective of. He's going to be able to perhaps force his way back on the field if he just wants to be because he's Bryce Harper. And like you said, he's on a different level. He, he's he's like he's with the Trouts and Otanis of the game, superstardom wise. Uh, as far as recognition goes. So I, I totally agree with that statement. Yeah, I feel like I keep using that sentence. Well, he's Bryce Harper, as if that's really <laughs> saying anything. But. I mean, it's true. He's just, if there is anybody who can fill, he's like liquid baseball. You know, put him in any container and he'll just fill the space. You know, I, I just feel like, he, yeah, he's he exists on a different plane. And your research indicated that uh, Harper is getting more confident at the plate. But uh, to be honest, this was really the first time I would have guessed otherwise, just through the eyeball test alone, which is notably much less accurate than the numbers you used. Uh, he's he's looked over-aggressive some nights, I feel like. Uh, he's a pretty aggressive hitter already, but he's looked over-aggressive some nights, and I feel like I've seen him take the ugliest swings I've ever <laughs> seen him take lately, including that weird thing a few nights ago when he tried to bunt twice on the same pitch and then struck out. I mean... How do we make sense of this? Where we have sometimes we have nights like this, but you're saying, well, I've got the statistical evidence that he's going to write the ship. I think the two actually kind of go hand in hand because if you just look at those un- underlying numbers, the exit velocities, the launch angles, it really it looks like he should just be playing like classic Bryce Harper. But the, so, but if you kind of give it the eye test to really see how he's playing, it's clear that. There's something that hasn't clicked yet, and I think that's that element of he didn't have a spring training, he didn't have a normal offseason, he's just not totally used to taking these regular at-bats against top-level major league pitching, and so when he when he hits the ball right, when he isn't getting in his head, it seems like he's getting the right results, but then maybe he's just not... Uh, take, there's It's that intangible quality that now I'm even having trouble finding the words for it because... It is, it's just like there's, you always have to combine the the raw numbers with understanding that there's a mental component to the game and the mental component might be the hardest thing for him right now to come back from after so much time away. Yeah, I think that gets downplayed when a guy's recovering from injury or surgery as Harper is that, yeah, there, there's got to be a mental adjustment made as he gets back on the field as well. And uh, it would make sense if that's what we were seeing right now. Um, you also said what does bother you about Harper at the moment is his production versus left-handed pitching. Uh, could you just outline for us what sort of problems is he running into against Southpaws? Yeah, well, so he's been, since the past, over the past months, since the home run drought started, he's been a lot worse against right-handers and a lot worse against left-handers, but the struggles against left-handers are just exacerbated. Like he's done, he's gotten almost nothing accomplished against left-handed pitchers over the past few weeks. And even before he went into this homerless drought slump, he just wasn't get, he wasn't getting things done against left-handed pitching. And my, I didn't kind of look into that too far because it is still a really small sample size. He's, faced a lot more right-handers than left-handers. He's only been back for two months, so I didn't want to overanalyze anything there, but he's clearly really struggling to have good at-bats against left-handers, but the the quality of contact numbers are not terrible. It's not like he's just only hitting ground balls and swing, whiffing too much against left-handed pitchers, 
The one kind of little cause for concern is that he is seeing a lot more far more breaking pitches from left-handed pitchers and fewer fastballs. And it's actually been so extreme that if you were to just look at his overall numbers, not split into righties and lefties, you would just think that all pitchers were throwing him fewer fastballs. And indeed, I've, I've seen that claim made several times. So I, that is kind of something I wanted to forewarn about is that it's not right-handed pitchers and left-handed pitchers throwing him fewer fastballs. It's just a lefties thing. My take on that right now is that it's not really something that we should worry about. The sample size is still so small. He's only faced a few dozen left-handed pitchers. It's only been a couple months. And some of the left-handed pitchers he's facing have been guys who just pound the hitters with their breaking balls, uh, regardless of who's at bat. It's not just a Bryce Harper thing. So I, I feel like that's something that it's worth keeping an eye on, the amount of breaking pitches he's seeing from lefties and how much trouble he's having against them. But really not something that's worth ringing the alarm bells about quite yet. Now, that's the second time you've mentioned the phrase not worrying about something <laughs> regarding the Phillies. What is that? Uh, it's a great question. Thanks so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of like that feeling that you have, the feeling you had when Roy Halladay was pitching, if you can remember that. It's that feeling, but in regards to other uh, instances with the Phillies playing. <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh, now in regards to Harper it's been said in the second half assuming he returns to a position in the field that he's going to play first base and if it's this part of this whole plan freeing up designated hitter for Kyle Schwarber who shouldn't be playing defense anyway we saw that again last night and uh, Chris, yeah, Christian Pache <laughs> would be free to play left Brandon Marsh could handle center but he's having his own problems out in center field and we also saw last night as well uh, so you know, this is just one scenario it does sound like it could be more a productive setup for the Phillies and as Rob Thompson's even used the P word platoon to describe his plans for Pache and Marsh in center field not to get too off track, but does this plan for the second half that hinges on Harper playing a position I believe he's never played, at least not in the major leagues, uh, does that impact any of your projections for him that he's going to refine his success in his home run swing in the second half? Well, one thing I found really reassuring about all the stories of Harper playing first is that he's not rushing himself over there. And we were talking about before if there was any concern about Harper rushing back too early from his injury, and I have found it really reassuring that Harper has said in recent interviews, like, I'm nowhere near ready to play first base yet. Probably not until after the All-Star break, maybe early August until he feels ready to do it. And so it's it's nice to hear that he's taken this responsibility seriously. I, I keep thinking about Ron Washington and Moneyball with the, the line, ah, first base, it's not that hard. And it's like, no, first base is incredibly hard. And... <laughs> I think it's very easy to write off, oh, anybody, you can throw anybody at first base. But it's good to see that Harper's taken seriously, that it's really something he has to learn. People and... definitely think that, by the way. They definitely <laughs> just think first base is, yeah, he just got a glove, yeah, play first base. I mean, that's why they think JT can do it. They think Kyle Schwarber can do it. They think this team's got like eight first basemen because first base is just easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> if I... If there's, if there's one person I do not want to see trying a new position right now, it's Kyle Schwarber, right? <laughs> Unless that position is, like, DH. Like, yeah, there's no there's no spot yeah, for him yeah. out there. <laughs> Come on. But I, I think if if Harper feels ready to play first, and I, I don't think he's going to decide to get out, decide to get out there until he does feel ready, then I'm optimistic that maybe that could even help him find his rhythm. 
you know, maybe it's like I, I know JT talks a lot about how he never feels quite right when he's DHing and he thinks he's a better hitter when he's catching at the same time. And who knows, maybe it's good for Harper to get back on the field and into that where you actually feel like you're playing online innings instead of sitting on the bench and just coming up to hit every few innings. I, I so. agree with that. I, I actually think I totally agree with that. I think uh, he's hearing like loud circus music in his head until he's hitting home runs again and back in the field. It was hard enough to not be like with the team and playing at all. He willed himself back to that. But yeah, he's, I think he, he's fully aware now that he is not back to his full, fully weaponized state. And yeah, I think it's just alarm bells nonstop until he gets back to a point where he's like, no, I'm giving a hundred percent at every second. It's okay. It's okay. How crucial to the Phillies offense do you feel it is for Bryce Harper to regularly be hitting home runs? Like, does does that really rest on him in the middle of the order, putting putting a charge into the ball, or, or can they get away with him uh, playing and producing the way he is now? I mean, I want to say that it's crucial, but they've been doing all right since he last hit a home run. So, I mean, he's he's the best hitter on the team. He's the most important run producer they have, and I've... There have been some stats recently about how few multi-run home runs the Phillies have this year. Oh, yeah. And multi-run home runs make a humongous difference where you can get multiple runs on the board with a single swing of the bat. And I think a big reason they're missing those is because Harper is coming up with guys in front of him and he's not hitting those home runs that he has in the past. So, yeah, I mean, if the Phillies offense is going to be far, far better if Harper is hitting doubles and home runs. And hopefully that comes and then we see them make a bigger push in the wild card race. Yeah, 29th the Phillies are in all of baseball in three-run home runs, which is not the place this team wanted to be or was designed to be, giving the big boppers in their lineup. Uh, and it's been, it's been since May 25th that Harper has hit a home run. So we crossed the month-long threshold as well. I kind of was worried last night, knowing we had scheduled this interview, that he was going to hit one and I would have to reframe all of my questions but thankfully the Phillies offense was not uh at its most productive uh yesterday uh no, last I, question go ahead I was just I was just I always feel like a bad fan when it's like the night before I have an article coming out and all of a sudden I'm I've got my fingers crossed Bryce Harper doesn't hit a home run so I don't have to redo all that work <laughs> please Bryce don't make me <laughs> redraft my article uh last last question uh Leo I feel like you're going to be able to provide an answer for this when will Bryce Harper homer again? Like, what's the exact date? How many, actually, how many more millions of babies need to be born before Bryce Harper homers again? I'm going to, I'm going to say six and a half million. <laughs> and slightly, slightly over half as many it took to get to this point for, for frame of reference. I, and I actually, now that you've brought that up, I did just want to add one more thing. I've, I, I saw an article pop up the other day that was like, you won't believe this crazy Bryce Harper statistic. And it was quoting the title of my article. And I just want to kind of make this clear to everyone out there. I didn't do any actual research about the exact number of babies that have been born since Bryce Harper's last home run. It was a, it was an estimate. It was a real... <laughs> I, so just just wanted to warn everybody out there maybe it's been 14 million maybe it's been 11 million i really don't don't be quoting me on this exactly i like to think you clicked publish on that article and a lot of alarms started going off at like a population studies uh, think tank where they're like, wait 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 what <laughs> like overpopulation numbers just off the chart honestly my first thought reading that reading that headline was just like oh boy there's a, just a lot of people 
There are just too many people. <laughs> a lot of people. 12 million more in only the last month? That's too many. That's just too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, Leo, thanks so much for joining us on Hidden Season, and thank you for your projections of the future. We will certainly hold you to that. Six and a half million babies until Six Bryce Harper homers again. You heard it here first. Uh, but, yeah, you can get catch more of Leo's work at Fangraphs. Leo, you got anything else you want to plug? I, I write for Fangraphs. I write for a website called Just Baseball, and you can follow me on Twitter at MorganSternMLB. There you go. Thanks so much, Leo. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you next time on Hidden Season. Thanks so much for having me. And we're back on Hidden Season. I'm Justin Clue, now joined by my co-host, Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports. Hello, Liz. Hello, Justin. Woo, hey, Liz, uh, Phillies. You catch that Thomas Boswell column in the Washington Post? Uh, oh, he retired, you know I but didn't. <laughs> appara- oh, he's apparently- retired. He just won't shut up. Apparently, he just keeps writing columns and they keep publishing them. Why? Um, no, I didn't he, uh, catch yeah, it because he... I stay away from him and everything he writes like the plague. But tell me what I'm missing. Well, he, he basically wrote a column saying, well, the headline is the Nationals were right to let their beloved stars leave. Uh, he argues that everyone who likes the Nationals <laughs> should be glad that the team no longer has Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon, and Max Scherzer. Not name-checked in this article is the 2021 MVP of the National League, Bryce Harper, just for the record. Um, but yeah, he, he's generally suggesting that because of all of the money that these guys made in free agency and the numbers that the that the Nationals are getting from the guys they have who are filling their spots, the Nationals are better off. Like, yeah, they're going to finish in last place or whatever, but their 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 trajectory is upward and they don't really and they and they aren't saddled by hundreds of millions of dollars in their payroll. For instance, he writes, "Soto hasn't been too bad in San Diego." Although he hasn't been quite as good as 31-year-old vagabond Joey Manessis, who inherited Soto's lineup slot last season, since then Manessis has hit 303 with 15 homers, 73 RBI, and 120 runs produced in 130 games. In 131 games with the Padres, Soto has hit 257 with 20 homers, 50 R- 57 RBI, and 113 runs produced. Do I hear $440 million going once? Oh, never mind. Oh, go- wait, he actually wrote that? He actually yes. wrote that. No, it's, it's in the column. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. I hate this guy. <laughs> I hate Boy, this guy. The, nobody loves the Nationals. Nobody thinks the Nationals are cuter than the people who cover the Nationals. They think the Nationals are so cute. It's staggering. It's been going on for years. I, mean, how I, much, I can't explain it. How much are the learners paying, paying Tom Boswell to pump out these columns uh, so someone might eventually remember that they apparently we're trying to sell the nationals why not try to make them look real good like no one remembers that like it what a pointless column for no one and nothing <laughs> like it's not the fact that it's just so misjudged it's so post hoc just so it is is one thing but like no one is talking about the nationals no one's thinking about the nationals there's no reason for them to be part of the national conversation and like doing it like that type of uh that type of article is just it's such a naked i'm doing my money grab job Ugh. i would argue that any conversation about the nationals is part of the nationals conversation <laughs> <laughs> ah, good one 
Uh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks, everyone who's cheering and laughing right now. Thank you. Well, as 16 years ago on Tuesday, Ryan Howard hit his 100th career home run in his 325th game in the majors, the fastest Philly to ever hit that mark, beating Ralph Kiner by 60 games. He also hit the longest home run in Citizens Bank Park history with that home run when he hit uh, when he hit one 505 feet. I'll ask you what I just asked our friend Leo Morgenstern from Fangraphs with all these home runs on the brain. Uh, have we already seen Bryce Harper's last home run? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who would say that? Well, no one has said it. I'm just seeing if anyone is willing to say it because it's been over a month since he's hit a home run. This is maybe, just a maybe that's of it. our tailgate. You're just going around asking people to, would you commit to saying this insane thing that I'm saying into a microphone? Next time we're just yeah, going right. to isolate. We're going to isolate the audio of you saying the weird thing. Just play it constantly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's called a trap. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm trapping people. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. No one has, you know, it hasn't worked, <laughs> no but you one, know, one of these days. It's a trap if no one's been trapped. And in fact, you might be trapping yourself. Who knows? Well, it's like, it's like how a joke is. It's still a joke. Even if it's not funny. Trap's still a trap. Even if nobody's <laughs> stepping in it. Yeah, it's just not a very good one. One of these days, I'll get someone to agree to something very insane. And then I will ruin their careers with it. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, as far as careers being ruined, the Philadelphia Phillies continued playing baseball, but only this time very, very well. This has been Woo! a very successful baseball team. I feel like I need to beat that into you and John Stolnes's heads that this is this is success. We are yes, watching the team success. succeed lately. I agree. Uh, the Phillies ha- the Phillies completed a sweep of the Chicago Cubs yesterday. Uh, playing three straight night games at Wrigley Field, a very rare occurrence, uh, and looked like they were ready to win a ball game in each one. Uh, of course, there were these, these victories did not occur without the usual perplexing tomfoolery, but Adjuta. we'll get to that as as we go as we go through this blow by blow. Uh, in game one, the Phillies beat the Cubs five to one. This, uh, this was yet another Ranger Suarez performance that was just so, so, it, it's just so good to see. So encouraging. He allowed four hits, one earned run, one walk, eight strikeouts in seven and a third innings pitched. His ERA is down to 318. Oh, man. Uh, I think he's got a great, I think he's got a great chance of being the NL pitcher of the month in the month of June. <laughs> He, he was using his sinker a lot. He induced very weak contact and a bunch of ground outs. He said he was trying to mix in all of the many, many, but he's got like six different pitches in his arsenal. He said he was trying to mix them all in. Uh, John Stoltis watched this game and told and, and said out loud, hey, Ranger Suarez is his favorite pitcher on the Phillies at this point. John was an early Ranger Suarez guy saying he was going to yes. be an all-star this year. And I, I, was I think if he uh, hadn't. Oh, me too. I was like, I like that. I remember coining the term John Fidence in regards to that uh, statement. I can tell you I've never heard that confidence. before. <laughs> I know that you have because I said it on the show and you both responded to it. So don't Positively lie to our audience, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> that I John, don't recall. But John I think Fidence. we can. We're going to bring that back. We can, as, we can assume it was uh, intensely positive. Uh, <laughs> Destiny. Destiny Legardo of Phillies Nation tweeted that Ranger Suarez is the first Phillies pitcher since Aaron Nola in August 2018 to boast an ERA below 110 across at least 30 innings pitched in a single month. Couple of qualifiers, but I think you can follow that well enough to see that he's just having a really, really good June. 
Uh, and uh, Destiny went on to say, he's only one of five Phillies pitchers to accomplish this feat at least once since 1966. Let me ask you this, Liz. Does Rob Thompson have the nerve to put Ranger Suarez on the National League All-Star team? Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. Ah! I hope he does. <laughs> he does every every single every single National League manager has the guts to put on whatever player he wants. It happens every year. Yeah. It might not be the yeah. the out loud thing. You might not say it loudly, but he'll be there. For sure he'll be there. I think they all get a guy who wouldn't be there if his manager wasn't the manager of the NL team. So I don't think Castellanos counts as that guy because he should just be there. He should just be there on merit alone. He yes. is having an all-star season. He should be on the all-star team. Bryce didn't win the, uh, you know, he made it to the second round or however this works now, um, to, to, to be voted on to the team as the starting designated hitter, which I was like, oh, wow, we have the shot at having a starter on the all-star team? Okay, wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, but he fell short. He and Adley Rushman were paired together. Uh, they always pair guys from different leagues together for this round of all-star voting. And yes, they, they fell short. J.D. Martinez will be the starting DH uh, of the Dodgers for the National League nah. team. Uh, that is, starters are just, you know, it, the, it's rich with Dodgers and Braves, a couple others, but, you know, largely those guys yawn. Uh, but yeah, I was I was curious after this performance, especially on the pitching staff, where you really are free to put whoever you want on there. If Ranger wa had pitched uh, the entire season and hadn't missed uh, the chunk of time that he missed to, due to injury, I think he's an all star. I think I think he he he, he gets his early woes out of uh, worked out of his system quickly, and he puts together the kind of season we've been seeing him do uh, in June, and I think that puts him on the all star team. And I don't even think too many people complain about it. No, I would agree with you completely. Like, I've just been, I've been trying to tune out Ranger Suarez starts unless I'm watching them because I'm, I'm just afraid. I'm so glad he's doing well. Like, the only pitcher I can remember doing this well, like, in my memory, like, I know the, the NOLA comparison, but I remember 2011, Cliff Lee had an absolutely insane June. Like, that, and he, what, he had three complete game shutouts in a row. Um, it was, it was bonkers and Ranger Suarez is having that type of very dominant June and it's fun to watch one pitcher just sort of slap everyone around like that. There are times this season where I've, uh, I've, I'm never at my more hopeless than when it feels like no, no starting pitchers are able to stop the bleeding. Yep. And the Phillies entered a cycle like that for a couple of weeks. It felt earlier in the season where it was just like, nobody is up to the task. Nobody can be the stopper. Now odds are pretty good that you're going to see a great start from Zach Wheeler, from Taiwan Walker and from Ranger Suarez. Even Aaron Nola is capable of a good start. It's not his most common outcome, but he is capable of it. And a couple of times this season has put together a great start, which makes him a pretty solid number four starter, which he now is. Yeah. Uh, so th that, that narrative has just been completely reversed and Ranger's been a big part of that. And it's been great to see. And is one of the major reasons why they won game one, five to one against the Cubs. The other main reason being Brandon Marsh powering the offense, hitting two home runs in that game. Since Rob Thompson had announced that center field would be more of a platoon moving forward between Marsh and Pache, uh, Christian Pache, that is, uh, Marsh went 12 for 20 and hiked his batting line <laughs> from 252 to 340, 413. 
from two from two fifty two three forty four thirteen to two eighty three three sixty three four sixty nine. Before that, Scott Lauber wrote in the Inquirer, who which is whom I'm quoting here, he'd gone six for forty three uh, with a twenty five strikeout cold spell, and before that. He had been 12 for 33, and before that, 4 for 41. Liz, is this a wacky, special Brandon Marsh thing, or are we just talking about another young, streaky player? I think the jury is out on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to make any pronouncements, do you? Like, I don't want to say this is wacky Brandon Marsh stuff, only for it to be like this is who he is or something. Like, I don't know. Let's wait and see. Let's just wait. We don't have to call it anything other than great right now. I think right. if if Thompson's ready to formalize a platoon situation, then these he's probably seeing what he's basically saying when he says that is like I think we know who Brandon Marsh is at least this year, mm-hmm. and is ready to use him in a capacity that reflects that. Um, <laughs> Brandon Marsh, yeah, is not I gotta ready tell you, I, <laughs> I don't think, and you know, I, I hesitate to say this because you know as we've seen, there's been plenty of whoops a daisies out on the field for Brandon Marsh. There's been plenty of why did you swing at that with Brandon Marsh? Uh, there's been plenty of, you know, as I just cited, cold spells for Brandon Marsh throughout the year. But there was also a point this year where the idea of a platoon was laughable to people because Brandon Marsh was hitting lefties and righties uh, pretty well at one point. So, yeah, I think he's still moldable. He's a young player. Uh, I think he's really benefited from Kevin Long. Uh, and I think that he is still capable of being a full-time player. I guess right now where the Phillies are like, we need to find wins. We need to get wins. We need to pile up wins because this is a, this is a division where you can win nonstop and still not gain any ground. So we just need to keep winning or, you know, we will fall even further behind. Let's do what we have to do to achieve that. And in Thompson's mind, a platoon, uh, seems like the way to go. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I do hold out hope that Brandon Marsh is a full-time player in the future. So I, I guess it's similar to what you're saying. Yeah, I think he could be still. I think my hope is that Thompson is just sort of riding the wave. He says, I think a platoon is great. And then Marsh just breaks out and will not stop hitting the ball. So what are you going to do? Platoon him then? No, you're going to. Uh, my hope is that he keeps going because why would you stop that? Thompson's an, is an old school baseball guy. He does he does trust in that stuff, and I have no problem with that. Um, I, I think that's what he should do, and just let Marsh dictate. Let Marsh dictate what happens. He's hitting well now. If he starts to go cold, Pache is there. He's right there. Well, and he'll be there. It's funny you say that because then we got the lineup for game two the following day and Brandon Marsh, the guy who just homered twice, was being sat for Christian Pache. Raised a few eyebrows, got a few grumbles about Rob Thompson. That's what I uh, get for forgetting what happened the next day. But I but I agree with you. And decisions like that are moments where you're like, hmm, that's right. He is old school. He is kind of steadfast in a couple of ways. Uh, he, he wanted to do this, so he's still doing it, even though Brandon Marsh hit two home runs last night. I don't know. I feel like you award Rob Thompson this like, well, he manages with his gut and the numbers, which we keep saying is the healthiest way to manage. This seems like a case where, no, he kind of went against what you would think his gut would be. But I don't know. Maybe his gut was saying Pache. And uh, to his credit, 
It worked out. I mean, Pache didn't have a prolific night at the plate, but one of Thompson's other decisions to start Josh Harrison uh, really did pay off for the Phillies. And seeing Harrison in the lineup was something else people were grumbling about because he's obviously not put together the strongest season. Uh, but he went two for four with a home run in game two as the Phillies beat the Cubs eight to five with a couple of home runs from guys like Edmundo Sosa. Nick Castellanos hit a three-run home run. Uh, and uh, and then you got Harris, Josh Harrison's as well. So the lineup produced for Rob Thompson on a night where it was called into question. I still, even despite the success, I'm still like, you're really going to sit the guy who hit two home runs last night? I don't know, man. I, I, I get that there's more to it than that. And, you know, clearly he wasn't wrong. Uh, not having Martian there didn't ruin the game for the Phillies by any stretch. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's the dance we dance at this point in the season with yeah. a platoon on the table. I, w- I would have to imagine that they have, like, a lot of oppositional data like a lot of batter versus pitcher stuff that they're looking at for lineups every day that's my guess because I don't think the Phillies don't do anything anymore just because they feel like it right they do there's a reason behind everything they do yeah but sometimes I think the reason is we just felt this way and and I I want that. I want some decisions to be made because of somebody's gut, because of mm-hmm. you know their gut is a is a uh, combination of their experience and their intelligence. And I want experienced, intelligent people making decisions for the Phillies. And I do think Rob Thompson still does that. I think you'll be you know he'll always have some question, some decisions questioned throughout his, the entirety of his tenure here as manager. That's just the nature of the job. But uh, I do want, you know, I want there to be reasons for things, but I also want that reason to be sometimes like, because this is what I think. Because, you know, if those decisions pay off, then that means you got somebody with really sharp baseball instincts. And why shouldn't you? Like, we're talking about a guy who's been coaching in the big leagues for 30 years. He's in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Like, he he is an experienced baseball person. So we forget I, I would like, I forget that he's like a literal <laughs> Canadian baseball hall of famer. Now I would love to visit that and see what it's like. And I would do that before visiting the, the actual U S baseball hall of fame. Yeah. Well, I forgot to mention after game one, the Harper homerless watch was up to 26 games and 118 plate appearances, a career <gasps> high. Oh, no. uh, yeah. Oh, whatever. We'll uh, and do. yeah, Somehow the Phillies managed to score eight runs and beat the Cubs in game two without Harper homering again. Wow. They scored enough and again to outpace Aaron Nola's typical crap. Uh, yeah, obviously before the game, I mentioned there were some complaints about the lineup. Um, Christian Pache went one for four with and scored a run. Josh Harrison, as I mentioned, went two for four with a home run, scored twice and knocked in a run. The Phillies attacked early and often in this one. They had a five run second inning. They had Edmundo Sosa's two-run homer, Nick Castellanos' three-run homer, Castellanos had an RBI double, Harper had an RBI single, the Phillies scored eight runs, they absolutely ate Drew Smiley's lunch, which, you know, before this game, I was like, when I saw saw Drew Smiley was starting, I was like, boy, you can't lose to Drew Smiley, like, you can beat Drew Smiley, right? Like, that's who the Cubs are sending out there? You can beat Drew Smiley, this one isn't, come on. And they did. They treated they treated Drew Smiley the way they should have, and they scored a bunch of runs on him, and they hit the ball a lot, and that's what this lineup should do. Now, there was also Aaron Nola. <laughs> I'm noticing the pattern that Aaron Nola will come out of a start like this one and be like, well, that sucked, 
Like when reporters are like, oh, you know, what happened tonight? He'll be like, oh, that sucked. I'm not happy. It's almost like he's, it's just this funny image. Like he's almost leaving the field and slipping like putting a hat on and slipping into the angry mob that's yelling at him and pretending to <laughs> yell at himself as a member of the mob. Like, yeah, this sucks. This guy sucks. Get him out of here. Ah, You're like, yeah. As he's, he always admits after the fact, like, yeah, no, that's, that's that was really bad. I didn't enjoy that at all. And they're like, well, all right. At least we're all on the same page yeah. here. Aaron Nola. I'd rather that went, than uh, anything else. <laughs> I mean, if this is the innings. scenario that we're in, I'd rather him be honest about it. Yeah. And he went five innings. He allowed seven hits, four earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts, two home runs, and told reporters uh, five innings kind of stinks. It's too short for a starter, in my opinion. And <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for your opinion, fair Aaron. Enough. <laughs> we you also should, agree. You should, um, you should pitch more innings next time. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> well, that's nah, that's just I, I get it. It's harder harder than it sounds. Yes, yes. In his last in his last start, Aaron Nola pitched into the sixth for the thirteenth straight time. Matt Gelb of the Athletics said that was the longest such streak in the majors. It is now over. He also, no, Aranola, didn't give up a homer in his last start, which also broke a streak of 11 games in which he had given up a homer. That streak, that streak started up again in this game as well. I know it's infuriating, but I will say at least we know what we have this year in Nola, I think, right? We can finally say, because the maddening part before was that he would make you feel like you were crazy. By being like, I'm an incredible pitcher. And you'd be like, great. Yes, I know. I'm going to tune into this Aaron Nola start. And, you know, he's going to give the offense a chance to score and a better chance to win the game. And I, we know that's not the case anymore. And I think we know now, whether it's the pitch clock, whether it's the velo drop, whether it's an inability to adjust when things don't go his way, Aaron Nola just isn't the starter you can rely on. Yeah. Uh, he, he can be, but you, if, if it's inconsistent, that like the amount of times he's going to be that guy is inconsistent, then he's not that guy because that, that takes away the whole idea of being able to rely on him. And it was yeah. great, honestly, to see a game where the Phillies showed they could win around him because that's how they have to win his starts. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the only way. I mean, and at this point, this is, this is who Aaron Nola is. We had this conversation about Reese Hoskins. Who is he for years? This is who he is. When we get like a spade of great starts from Nola, that's out of the norm. It's not impossible. It's not even unlikely, but it's not normal. And we, when that happens, we need to remember he is an infuriating pitcher. He does just have bad starts because one thing gets out of whack and all of a sudden the whole machine is blowing up and there's smoke everywhere. You know, this is who he is and and expecting more of him is unfair to him. And I think it sets us up a lot for disaster and bad hurt feelings. You know, if we get a great start out of him with with no hiccups, that's like a major win. If we can, if the team can get away with the win in one of his starts, that's just also like a major big deal. I think we just need to recognize that now. We'll all be happier. Yes, don't we? And that's not what we want to be happier. That's why we keep tuning into Phillies games. <laughs> Listen, we're already starting at a deficit. The key is to is to try to add pieces back to it so we get back to neutral as quickly as we can. What do you make of the idea, and by idea I mean thing I just made up while you were talking, that right. Aaron Nola could 
you know, who has always his reputation is like, oh, he's he's great, and then he kind of slowly burns out, and by the end of the year, he's just got nothing left, and you know, the Phillies keep putting him out there to make starts, and and last year he kind of dispelled that narrative uh, at first by pitching very well through September and into the playoffs, but by the end of the World Series, his final three starts of the postseason were like, okay, this is this is the end of the line for Aaron Nola. Do you feel like because he's gotten so many? not good to bad starts uh, out of his system here at the beginning of the year that perhaps later in the season, we will see a more <laughs> successful Aaron Nola. This you, is science. It's science. What are you asking? That's not how any of this works. No. Science. <laughs> science. I'm looking at these papers and they say science. So science I, I don't know of, it's like one of the big top secret stamps, except instead of top secrets, it says science with an exclamation point at the end. <laughs> Exactly. And that's how you know it's true. It's true. I mean, that's not, I mean, I don't think so at all. It would be great. (laughs) It would be great if things worked like that. If uh, the things that you made up just became true. I would enjoy like, I would enjoy that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the Aranola thing would be at or near the top of my list of things to wish for if that, if that was a thing, but you know, teach their own. I'm sure Aaron Nola would wish that for himself. Well, uh, the Harper homerless watch after game two of this series was now at 0 for 98 since May 25th. Uh, Fangraphs, our friend Leo Morgenstern, who we talked to at the beginning of this episode, wrote that uh, an estimated 12 million babies have been born in the span between Bryce Harper's last home run and the current one. To reiterate Leo's uh, uh, clarification in, in our interview, uh, that is not a scientific or exact number by any stretch. <laughs> that is just something to p- he put in the headline. Uh, he wrote his triple <laughs> slash, and this is Harper. His triple slash looks miserable right now, but his plate discipline and batted ball stats suggest he's actually trending in the right direction. Rest assured, the home runs will come back eventually. The world just might welcome a few million more babies before they do. I got Leo to um, uh, calculate it down to six and a half million more babies before Bryce Harper hits a home run again. So, well, let's get yeah, the everyone, board set up. <laughs> yeah, set up. The, we got get some ta- tally marks up there, and we'll we'll know exactly when Bryce Harper will homer again. <laughs> we need to get like but a hey. thermometer with like little pieces, and then when we get to the six and a half million <laughs> baby mark, it, it's the we put on the part where it overflows, like a telephone. <laughs> well, the Phillies won both the, the first two games of this series, and going into Game Three, they were thinking they'd, uh, you know, try, why not make it a sweep? Did you have a lot of faith in the Phillies completing the sweep in Chicago, one of the several away stadiums that is referred to as a house of horrors for them? Things were not great when the Phillies played the Cubs last year. It was, in fact, their series against the Cubs after the All Star break that caused John Stolnes to completely unravel and demand people in the Phillies be traded, and that you should just blow the whole team up. Uh, but this year, not the case. Did you have a lot of faith that they would pick up the sweep going into game three? No, I did not. Yeah, me neither. No, I was pretty <laughs> sure they were going to lose. One of the only good things to ever happen to the Phillies at Wrigley Field was Cole Hamill's no-hitter. And like days later, he was traded. So how great was that? <laughs> That's always in my mind. I'm just like, nothing's going to repeat that. So let's just, it's always going to be bad unless, unless I'm proven wrong. And the Phillies did prove both of us wrong by finishing the sweep with a three to one win at Wrigley field, uh, sweeping out the Cubs in three games. Once again, the offense didn't do much in this game, but it also didn't have to do much. 
Uh, they got a leadoff Schwarbaum, which made it one to nothing immediately. This game was nothing, nothing for maybe four or five seconds. Yeah. That might be honestly a little too long. Uh, the Phillies still say they want Kyle Schwarber to get it going. So, you know, they, by their scientific classification, he is not there yet. And that's true for multiple guys. They multiple guys really need to like get into a groove and produce offensively. And yet Elizabeth we're talking about a team that after this game has won 18 of their last 23 games and they don't like most of their offense isn't, you know, quote unquote there yet. Is this not super encouraging? I mean, if there's more, (laughs) I would certainly love to see them kick it up another notch, but they are. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel like we keep, Oh, they need, he needs to get his, in his groove. He needs to get comfortable with the plate. Let's assume that happens. To a couple of these guys, they're already a team that's 18 and five, you know, like that's in their last 23 games. Imagining them with even better players means they're going to be even better than this. So that's what I mean by encouraging. It's like this is this is technically a downtime for this team and they're being pretty dominant. Honestly, the biggest shortcoming of this team is that they're not the Braves. Yeah. I mean, and if they were, things would be probably better. We'd be sadder because we're Phillies fans, but (laughs) Now I'm really confused. Uh, I would I would hope that there's another notch. I think my worry is we're at the other notch and we just and everyone's like, but there's more. There has to be. Like there does have to be more. I just don't I just worry about the Phillies actually hitting that. Man, you're right. Brandon Marsh is I'm just looking at the, you know, the twenty twenty three lineup on baseball reference and I'm like, I Marsh was hitting like two forty yesterday. My yep. goodness. Castellanos is the only consistent uh, high-level performer in this offense all season long. Oh, He's the only one. Look at that. <laughs> that signing is proving to be pretty great, huh? Bryson's Boy, stuff hasn't uh, looked the, bad. The the wish the, the gr- wish we were granted that Nick Castellanos would have a much better year this year. The fingers really <laughs> curled on that monkey's paw, didn't they? Oh, sure. Doesn't, He'll have a great year. <laughs> doesn't it always that is always what Oh it is. yeah. Like we're we're familiar Absolutely. with this. <laughs> well, in game 3, Bryce Harper didn't hit a home run again, but he did hit a single with two runners in scoring position in the 3rd inning to bring in the Phillies uh second and third runs of the day. Uh and that is the score they won by, so Harper finding ways to contribute even if it's not with a home run. Uh, but this game was really, this was the Taiwan Walker show again. One earned run and six hits and six innings pitched. Well, he has allowed th- three earned runs, seven walks, and 32 strikeouts in his last five starts for an ERA of, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. 0-8-4. <laughs> Over five starts. Let's give it up for Caleb Cotham and the Ooh. entire Phillies pitching staff who've taken Taiwan Walker and... Ranger Suarez last year and this year and done just magical things with them. Like we get frustrated when we look at Aaron Nola and you have to think at this point, some of it is him. It's not just the, you know, the staff not understanding it. It might be him having issues figuring out himself because what they're doing with other pitchers has been so effective. (laughs) So effective. Like no one is talking about Taiwan Walker right now, but they should be and will be soon if he keeps this up. How could they not? I mean, we're talking about sneaking Suarez onto that all-star roster. 
Walker's been here the he's whole been year. Here. Granted, he's he has earned it. He's had some pretty bad starts oh, yeah. early on, but boy, that's the, he's he's burying those one crazy good start at a time. So those are becoming more and more forgettable. His ERA is uh, under yeah. four finally, which is yeah. like considering that he started the season. Let me pull up his game logs. I have to because it was it was not a good number. Oh, yeah, he started the season with an 8.31 ERA, and it took him quite a while. And, that, and he's now all the way down to, like, under four. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, a Taiwan Walker start shouldn't be missed at this point. I mean, same with Suarez and, and even Wheeler. He, like, that's – that's Phillies have some strong starting pitching, and they've been leaning on it to win these games. And, hey, however you got to do it, get it done. Things got crackling in the bottom of the fifth, though, of this game when the that yeah that third dimension defense <laughs> reared its ugly head. Phillies had a three three one lead, you know, just two runs. They could have really used some insurance runs to get more comfortable. Didn't get them. Uh, and then Kyle Schwarber's latest example of why Kyle Schwarber shouldn't be asked to play defense happened <laughs> as he reached a ball, it went into his glove and slipped out of it. Uh, the twilight and the lights may have played a role here for visibility. But we, we only say that because Ian Happ of the Cubs, also playing in left field, uh, completely lost a fly ball out there the next inning, gifting Brandon Marsh a ground rule double. Uh, so there were some visibility issues in Kyle's defense, but nevertheless, ball looked catchable because, you know, it hit him in the glove from our couches anyway. It appeared like the play could have been made. And it led to a no outs first and third situation for the Cubs. I didn't think you're getting out of that without allowing a run. And honestly, there were two fielding errors in this game. Schwarber's and another from Brandon Marsh. And these are both guys we've heard say more than once about previous gaffes. That's on me. That can't happen. That's unacceptable. I can't let that happen again. I keep screwing up. Oh, no. Well, (laughs) it keeps happening. So this is how you wind up in a platoon or as the DH. Though, honestly, how badly do you think Kyle Schwarber wants to play the field guys like Harper and guys like real Muto have, have are on the record saying like, yeah, I almost don't feel complete if I'm not playing in the field. Like if I'm just DHing, I, I don't feel like I'm giving a hundred percent. I feel like I'm coming up short. I don't know if Schwarber feels that way. I'd honestly feel surprised if he did. I don't think he would admit it, but you have to, I don't know if he'd admit it out loud to anyone, even his wife, but I would think deep down, he doesn't want to keep making those mistakes. He knows who he is. He's got his limitations and he's being asked to do a lot, you know, cause he's a major league baseball player, but I think we're at the point where he just, it's not a good idea. It's a very bad idea. It's I don't who's who would who would go there? Who who, who could be there if it wasn't uh, him? Pache. That's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with yeah. that. Pache's that's Pache's strength. I mean that that's the that's the whole blueprint for the second half uh, potential. Harper slides in at first, which frees up DH for Schwarber, which puts Pache in left because Marsh isn't as experienced playing in the corners. And now you have two fast guys who can cover a lot of ground in left and center. I mean, I'm willing to take a look at that. And yeah, I don't mean completely. um and I, I don't mean this any of this as an insult to Kyle Schwarber. Oh god, no. Not he's, even a little bit. He's a DH, man. Yeah, he's he's a born he's a natural DH. He's got everything about him says DH. I, I yeah, I, I would be perfectly happy with him not playing in the field and being able to concentrate on smashing first pitch home runs as he leads off the game. You know, that that'd be great. Some guys are just that's that's their output, and uh, production-wise, I think that's what he's equipped to do. 
Uh, fortunately for the Phillies, Cubs right fielder Mike Talkman made some strange choices on the bases during this <laughs> sequence. He failed to take off on a single from second and having to stop at third. That's how he wound up on third. He, he, uh, he ran back to second before taking off and was therefore unable to score, yeah. which really confused Tom McCarthy and Ruben Amaro in the Phillies booth. Uh, and then Christopher Morrill came up and bunted, which totally confused Tom McCarthy. <laughs> McCarthy. Yeah. And Talkman's on third, apparently didn't get comfortable enough to run home on the bunt, so it was just a free out for the Phillies to throw <laughs> Morrill out at first. And, yeah, I just don't understand what these guys are doing, Ruben Amaro said. I, he's like, I just don't understand. What are they doing? And, uh, oh, yeah, either just they a confusing just moment. Either screwed up a whole lot or David Ross is very bad at his job. Bryson Stott then made a terrific diving catch on a liner, and Taiwan Walker struck out a guy looking, and Phillies got out of that situation without allowing a run. Thanks, Runner on Cubs. third, no outs. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was something else. I thought things were about to get a little tighter, and uh, nope, all good. So, that, all right, cool. That's incredible. I, but uh, the third be, game, it was the only one that I didn't watch of the series. I watched the first two, so I didn't see that happen in person. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that because uh, I need to hear them. I need to hear Ruben tomorrow say, "I have no idea what they're doing." Yeah, it was great. He just says, I just don't understand what these guys are doing. <laughs> and, you know, Ruben, Ruben's, uh, you know, he's not he's not the best uh, analyst in the world. And uh, I think you, you even called him out for some dumb comments he made in, in another broadcast. But I do like his willingness to just speak candidly sometimes where he's mm-hmm. like, well, that seemed dumb. Well, I don't know what that was. Well, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's been a player. He's been a coach. He's been an executive he's been a broadcaster he's watched a lot of baseball in his time he's done nothing in his life really but baseball if he hasn't seen it if he doesn't know then no one knows no one understands if tomorrow has no idea what's happening it you can count on the fact no there was nothing to understand it was bad that's the only thing to understand about it bad well, if we're bringing up the Phillies' defensive gaffes, we got to talk about the defensive play of the week, if not the month, which is JT Real Muto's play in the ninth for the second out when Cubs third baseman Nick Madrigal chopped a ball down the first baseline. Craig Kimbrell came off the mound but never really committed to it, and Real Muto raced down the line, grabbed it, and just diving and underhanded the ball to Cody Clemens at first with Madrigal, like, already sheesh. Uh, you know, most of the way to the base bag and bang, uh, they bang. managed to get the out. It was not, you know, relatively it was not close. Like they, they got, it was a clear out. They didn't mm-hmm. review it or anything. Just a purely athletic play by a great catcher. I, I mean, I think already you're seeing signs that JT's maybe not the best catcher in baseball anymore. And, and then that, that, that may not, that's not necessarily because he's like in some kind of horrible decline. It's more in tunes of, uh, in terms of, yeah, he's um, not found as many opportunities to contribute. Uh, you know, he is a year older. And there are just younger, very good catchers coming up in Major League Baseball. That being said, 
he's still an unbelievable player and he's capable of stuff like this and very few catchers are. So I, I, you know, that's, that's a play most catchers don't make, but definitely a play JT real Muto makes. Like that's a play that maybe Adley Rutschman makes. I think that's probably the only catcher I could identify off the top of my head that could make that maybe. He's yeah. he's not the best catcher in baseball anymore, but it, I think a lot of it is because there are younger players setting a higher bar. Just because they're younger, they're better. Baseball continues to improve. And Real Muto, we all get annoyed at him uh, for his hitting, which has not been the most consistent. He's been extraordinarily frustrating this year. But he does find ways to contribute all the time. All the time. I think it's just I think it's just the difference in being the singular best catcher in baseball to being among the best catchers in baseball. Yes. That's really all I'm talking exactly about. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Well the Phillies won this game three to one, swept the Cubs at Wrigley Field. It was their ninth road game win in a row, which whew, I believe that put them back up to five hundred in away games, which boy, it did not seem like this team was gonna reach that point anytime soon. Oh yeah. Uh the rotate the rotation has a 2.21 ERA in the past 23 games. The Phillies are 18 and 5 since June 3rd. They are one and a half games out of a wild card spot, with the Giants finally losing a pair this week. The Dodgers are only clinging to the second spot by half a game, and the Marlins are up two and a half. The Phillies still have work to do, but they've been getting the job done for the better part of a month now, and are about to play three games against the annoying but still very bad Nationals at home. Uh, only three more series left before the All-Star break. The Phillies get Washington. Then they head to Florida to finish out the first half to play the Rays okay. and then the Marlins. All right. So they That's get to it. play They get to play a bad, beatable team, then the best team in baseball, then the team ahead of them in the playoff race that has never really stumbled despite everyone expecting them to. Should be an interesting week. Uh, should be a fun little gambit. The rubber meets the road, guys. They, if they had, they should take at least two of three from the Nationals, and then uh, let's just roll the dice. We've seen them. We've seen the Phillies be good. We've seen them grit out wins without great offense. We've seen them hit themselves to a win when pitching is bad. You know they they can do it. They just have to do it. They just have to do it when it matters, and it matters now. You want them to go into the All-Star break after facing the Marlins with a good with a good feeling. That's what you want. We've seen this team beat bad teams. We've seen this team beat good teams. We've also seen the opposite. They've shown they are capable of, I mean, look, I'm not saying this is going to happen because I don't think it is. But they could win all six of those games in Florida. I don't think they will, but they are capable of it. They, they are. They could win um, all. They could win all of the games this that they have left, if they wanted to. They could. They could. Uh, I'll say they win four out of six in Florida, and that they sweep the Nationals at home. And that gives them. Uh, that means they won seven to ten going into the break, and we'll put them at twenty-five and eight. In their last 33 games, I believe, if the math I just did in my head is correct, and that'd be a pretty fun place to be. So, hey, you know, maybe it's maybe we'll look back on a projection like that and be like, boy, you are not someone I can rely on for mm-hmm. realistic scenarios. Or, you know, hey, I, I, again, anything's on the table. This team is uh, has been playing very well. This team's record indicates it has... This team has won a lot of games. <laughs> I don't That's know if it's fair to... 
yeah, it's not fair to say they've been playing very well because there's not there's there's like one thing in every game that makes you go like oh boy like at least once one thing in every game the wins and the losses where you're like oh well, they're not doing it this time but then they do and it's good you know and being able to win in stretches where you're not operating at 100% is how you make up ground so hey at the end of the day i'm sticking by my philosophy that a win's a win and this team just needs to pile up wins they're doing that yeah I, I, I'm happy with the progress they've made, especially in the wild card, and they can make some serious pro- progress this week in the NL East. Not that it will matter, but they can get themselves closer. Anything can happen in baseball. There's still a lot of games left. They just have to get themselves into a good position. They can do it. Yes, and yes, it can feel like it's all for no reason because you know what was going on while the Phillies were sweeping the Cubs? Well, the Braves were sweeping the Twins, and the Marlins were sweeping the Red Sox. So, after all that, nothing was gained. At least not in the NL East. Uh, Gene Segura broke up a no-hitter for the Marlins uh, against the Red Sox up at Fenway uh, yesterday. Just a fun little bit of information about a a former fan favorite here in Philadelphia. But that was part of the reason why the Marlins were were able to sweep them, because Gene Segura broke up that no-no. Real quick, as we finish up here... Do you feel like you're enjoying the Phillies' success or the Mets' downward spiraling more at this current time? Oh, it's the Phillies' success. I'm still... Okay. Yeah, I mean, I like the... Like, every time I look at the Mets, I'm like, (laughs) look at that. Uh, But, like, (laughs) right now, like, it's... I'm I'm very in a Phillies' mindset. Them sweeping the Cubs was huge. It was huge. They just went into Wrigley, won all three games, and left. I think that's just totally great, and I don't want to lose sight of that. And so I'm really focusing on the Phillies right now, but I will recreationally watch some Mets, mostly just for their fans. Mets fans at the Phillies game like last week, that was excellent. They were just so unhappy. Yeah, as you informed me this morning, the Mets World Series odds have gone from 1,100 over to 5,000 over. I mean, I don't fully understand how betting odds work, but that seems pretty bad. And things were at least interesting enough for their owner, Steve Cohen, to hold a press conference on a little little high top table he sat at. And their billionaire hedge fund manager uh, sat there and and gave a tragically sane uh, series of answers to questions, uh, basically saying, look, we're not, we're not going to, we got no crazy moves planned. Buck Showalter and Billy Epler's jobs are safe. I just wish things were better. It was basically a, oh, uh, not crazy, like, then. look, I'm coming out here to like address the fact that the Mets are spiraling, but I'm telling you like the steady as she goes is essentially the philosophy really disappointing for anyone like me who tuned in hoping for an unhinged disaster. Completely. This alone shows that in some capacities, the Mets have turned a corner, but then you watch them play a ball game that night and realized, yeah, no, they're still Metsing. There's, there's still the Metsing still happening. It's just contained to the field at the moment. <laughs> yep. You know, and by not firing Buckshow Walter, they are denying themselves an opportunity to be the 2022 Phillies. So just keep everyone should yep. keep that in mind. <laughs> is is what he's Have fun doing with that. good? Is it bad? It could be either. <laughs> 
Well, that'll do it for this episode of Hidden Season. Check out BillyPen.com slash Hidden Season for more episodes of this show, uh, as well as writing from the people who do this show. Uh, and check out the Hidden Season Patreon at Patreon.com slash Hidden Season for even more Phillies and baseball commentary, history, storytelling, and more. I'm Justin Clue. That's Liz Rocher from WHYY and Billy Penn. This has been Hidden Season. <laughs>